0: Today, I want to answer three questions. Number one, are we living in the end times? Number two, why have so many people left the church? And number three, why is homesteading such a big deal? Okay, let's talk about it. Welcome to the Worship Homestead. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. I know it seems ambitious. We're going to talk about three pretty big questions, but I promise it'll make sense. We're going to talk about the history of homesteading and how I feel that today matches the 1800s pretty well. But before we get to all that, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, Blueprint Sounds, you can get access to my free worship training bundle called the Worship Booster Pack. It has manuals and online workshops on everything from songwriting to how to arrange your band, how to do live sound. All of that is part of my Worship Booster Pack. So again, go to blueprintsounds.com or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack, all one word. All right, let's talk about the 1800s and the history of homesteading. So in the 1800s, America is growing by leaps and bounds for a lot of reasons. The amount of farmable land, the livestock, the rainfall, all of those factors, the nutrition in the soil, all of that means that the United States can support life on a level that We have never seen before, right? The average woman on the frontier, not in the city, but on the frontier, could expect to have 13 children in her lifetime. And this went on generation after generation. Thomas Jefferson predicted in 1801 that it would take a thousand years for the United States to fill up to the point where it had reached St. Louis. Missouri was ready for statehood 18 years after his prediction. He was way off. It was incredible. So 1800, there are 5 million people living in the United States on the continent. By 1860, 31 million. It had multiplied five times. So there had been popular support for expansion into the West for a long time, but the issue of slavery held it back. There was a balance of power between the North and the South in Congress as far as its delegates, And it was really, really precarious. So we have the Missouri Compromise where, well, Missouri wants to come in as a slave state, but we need to allow Maine at the same time to be a free state. They need to come in together so we keep the balance correct. And this gets really, really heated. Well, Southern Democrats, to keep their power, are blocking any bill that allows expansion into the West because they feared that those states would be free states. It all comes to a head when Abraham Lincoln is elected in 1860 on an anti-slavery platform. South Carolina and then other states start to secede, and then in 1861, Fort Sumter is fired upon, and that lights off the Civil War. Well, that takes all of the Southern delegates away. They join the Confederacy, and now the North can do as it pleases. So in 1862, Abraham Lincoln signs not only the Emancipation Proclamation, he signs the Homestead Act, and the rush is on. What it does is it allows anybody who is over 21 years old, who has never fought against the United States, to go to land up to 160 acres of land in the West. As long as they pay a small filing fee and they promise to work the land and build a home on the land, for five years that land becomes theirs. And it was open to single women and immigrants and former slaves. Anyone could go and get land as long as they followed those guidelines. Well, If you've ever been to the Midwest and gone to any of the prairies, you'll notice that there's generally a lack of wood and a lack of rocks. There's not much to build a home with. So homesteaders would cut out bricks of sod, stack them on top of each other, put a thatch roof and a door on there, and that was their house, the sod house. That's why they were called the sod busters. And it had its drawbacks because when the rain came, it would soak the roof and you would have not only water but, rain, but mud and even vermin falling down from the ceiling. One family reported their evening meal being interrupted by a snake that fell on their dinner table. It was hard work being a homesteader and you had to have a make-do attitude to survive. So they would turn empty barrels into rocking chairs. They would turn buffalo hair and grass into mattress bedding. And canning and preserving and smoking meat was, if you don't do it, you're not gonna make it through the winter. But after the homesteaders go first and sort of plant their flag in the prairie and say, we're gonna try life right here and see if we can make it, more infrastructure starts to come. So in 1869, we get the Transcontinental Railroad, connecting East Coast and West Coast. We get telegraph and telephone wires. We get Montgomery Ward, you know, the first mail order business shipping things out of Chicago by rail. So finally people are able to get some creature comforts. So all of this starts to fill out the frame of the West and we have more people coming in as it's more hospitable to large populations. So that by 1934... 10% of federal land, that's 270 million acres, has been moved into private hands from federal lands. It was incredible. Today, 93 million Americans can trace their ancestry back to a homesteader, including my family. On my mom's side, the Lelisher family, which had come from France and found its way to Iowa, moved to Nebraska, and there's pictures of them in front of their sod house working the land. So what's the point? Well, in the 1800s, we have this period of growth and prosperity, but also this brewing crisis of slavery. Are we going to live up to the ideals of the Constitution or aren't we? In 1861, the Civil War begins, and it's absolutely devastating. One in eight voting age men would die during the Civil War. It was brutality. But after all that destruction came a period of rebuilding. And that's what the homesteaders were part of. So we have growth, crisis, and rebuilding. Well, let's look at today. I want to share with you a Gallup poll about church attendance. So between mosques, churches, and synagogues, most people in America, 76% in 1940, attended some sort of weekly religious service. It went down, it went up, fluctuated 2,000, it's still holding at 70%. Well, what's happened since? Since 2000, it has fallen off a cliff. In 2021, that number was down to 47%. It's the first time in American history that religious attendees have been in a minority in the United States. Now, it had been trending downward sharply before 2020, but 2020 was the nail in the coffin. And it was surreal. There's no other word for it. We were in crisis. I remember watching the news and you just can't believe your eyes, the, the pandemic, the lockdowns, the riots in the streets, all of the massive upheaval, whether it was medical or educational or governmental, we wondered, is this the end times? What in the world is going on? Well, no, we're not living in the end times, to answer the first question. Americans, because we're Western, we tend to see time as a line just pointing in one direction with an arrow going straight, and we just think of it as linear. That's a problem because everything that happens to us, we don't have a precedent for. We don't view time in any other way. But the Israelites thought of time as being cyclical. Seasons, years starting, chapters ending, chapters beginning, but there's a cycle to time. God honors cyclical time in history, not just linear time. And what we're experiencing today is very much Like what we experienced in 1860. There was a period of growth, a period of crisis, and a period of rebuilding. Obviously, that crisis of 2020 really jarred things loose, but God knew it was coming. And so, before 2020, He started to take people out of the institutional church. A lot of times, people didn't know why, didn't know what was up. It's not that there was anything bad, it just didn't fit anymore. That's my story. In 2008, I sort of, me and my family sort of came out of institutional church and weren't really sure why, we just didn't fit anymore. And so we had to find a new way to do church. So we had a house church, and we would gather, and we would eat together, we would pray, we would worship. I wrote songs that fit our church rather than writing songs for the big church, and we've been doing that for 10 years. Well, why did God do that? Because he did that on a large scale. That mass exodus out of institutional church, some people just left the faith, but a lot of people went to worship nights, Bible studies, home groups, house churches, different expressions of church. Back, you know, 80s, 90s, different generation, that, that would have been weird. That was very fringe. Not anymore. That's become much more mainstream and much more accepted than it used to be. What was the deal? Why, why did that happen? God was getting some people ready for what was coming in 2020. Because after this crisis, I don't know if we're still in the middle of it. We probably are. There's probably going to be more shakeups before this thing is over. But after the crisis is done, there is going to be a time of rebuilding. And the rebuild is going to look a lot different. It's going to look more like homesteading than it will a megachurch, because people are going to need answers and community, and the megachurch might not have all the answers for you. It can't, because it's not diverse enough. God is highlighting small groups of people who are nimble, who are specialized, who are self-sufficient, who know God for themselves, and, this is an interesting component, who are on specific land. Again, we Westerners don't really have much tie to the land. We think of it as somewhere where you put a house or a parking garage, and unless you're a farmer, you're not that connected to it. Homesteaders in the 1860s were incredibly attached to the land because they depended on it for the walls of their house and everything else. Well, now God is wanting to put small worship homesteads, is what I call them, but small house churches, small fires in places all over the country on strategic land. It's not about everybody coming together, fulfilling the vision of the one pastor, building the mega church, and getting your legitimacy out of how big that ministry is or how flashy it is. That was an old season. The rules have changed. That's not the only expression of church. There will always be a place for brick and mortar churches, but that's not the only thing that God is doing in this season. God needs the rebuild to happen through nimble, small groups of people on strategic land who are able to take in what's coming next, to be part of that rebuild. And so to answer the second question, why did church attendance fall off the map? Is because God was moving some people out of the institutional church, sort of onto the prairie, to get ready for the next thing. So in answer to the third question, why is homesteading so popular? It is another expression of what God is doing, connecting people to land, connecting people to their food, connecting people to agriculture. It's happening in worship, but it's also happening with food and land. So all of that actually makes sense together when you look at where we are in history. No, we are not in the end times. There is precedent for what we're going through. Yes, it's hard right now, and things are shaking, and things are going to look a lot different than they do right now. I don't have a magic crystal ball, but I do know that we're in a crisis. But after the crisis comes the rebuild. And so if you have been moved out by God into a home church or, you know, something over the last however many years has felt different about church and you've, you've for some reason found yourself as part of a, a worship night or a Bible study or a home group, just a different expression of church, know that God planned for it. Know that It's valid know that it matters, and God is getting you ready for the rebuild. Hey, I hope you're encouraged by that. Good things are coming. God is in control. He's not surprised, and he's not stressed out, but it does mean that we're going to have to embrace some responsibility and get some dirt under our fingernails. If you need any help with worship or live sound or songwriting, click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.